football player in this draft. He's going to make the quarterback better day one. The third overall pick in the draft is Sam Darnold out of USC. This guy's wired the right way to handle New York. Denzel Ward. Defensive back, Ohio State. Denzel Ward doesn't have to leave the state to play professional football. The Denver Broncos select Bradley Chubb, defensive end, NC State. Quentin Nelson. Well, the 2018 NFL Draft is in the books. Welcome to the post-draft edition of TSN 4 Downs here on TSN 1050 across the TSN radio network. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at TSN 4 Downs at AndyMC81. If you miss any of the show, you can get us on the TSN1050.ca show page as well as we'll tweet out those links and on iTunes. Boy, do we have a show for you today, folks. If you thought the pre-draft show was great, this one even better to talk Buffalo Bills taking the controversial quarterback Josh Allen. Mike Shope, co-host of Shope and the Bulldog on WGR 550 out of Buffalo. He'll join me in about 12 minutes time. Then senior media broadcaster for the Cleveland Browns and fantasy football expert Nathan Zagura. Well, the Browns made some noise, right? Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward took a, a, a very uh, controversial quarterback Antonio Callaway with a rap sheet as long as your arm, but a heck of a lot of talent. We'll break that down with Nathan. And also, what, uh, which of these rookies, these incoming rookies, have the most fantasy value? Is it Saquon Barkley? What about Darius Geis, who free fell in the draft? We'll go over some of those scenarios with Nathan Zagura. And then friend of show, Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network. She, she was on the show earlier in the season. She's an analytics expert. She breaks down game theories percentages for or during the year for actual games, but also the value of draft picks. And she was she tracked her value picks. So I want to go over the sleepers because you know every year there's a handful of players who drop in the draft, get picked up late, whatever, go to the right situation and ball out. Perfect examples. How about the rookie of the year last year, Alvin Kamara from the Saints? How about the rookie rushing? Leader, the NFL rushing leader, and Kareem Hunt from the Chiefs, a third round pick out of Toledo. So we'll go over that with uh, Cynthia Freeland and also value quarterback picks because we had the big names Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, but Mason Rudolph fell. He was anticipated to possibly be a first round pick. He dropped off. Pittsburgh Steelers scooped him up. Big arm guy. Is there value there? What about Mike White? Kyle Laletta? There is a whole bunch of uh, different quarterbacks that fell. It was after the top four, it was a bit of a drop. And also, of course, can't forget about Lamar Jackson. Went the 32nd overall pick, the last pick of the first round, to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens traded back up to go get him. And what's interesting to me about the Lamar Jackson pickup is my first thought was, well, you couldn't get a more polar opposite quarterback than Joe Flacco. Usually what you want to do, if you can, is have your backup with a similar skill set to your starter, at least in size or game plan, so that if the starter goes down, you can have somewhat of a smooth transition. You don't have to go from, well, what the Ravens would have, in a statuesque big-arm dude in Joe Flacco... uh, to Lamar Jackson, who, very dynamic, former Heisman Trophy winner, but uses his legs first. He looks to run first throw later, Lamar Jackson. 
completely different skill sets. But what's interesting about it is that this is the last year of guaranteed money for Joe Flacco's contract. He's got more years on the contract, but this is the last year of guaranteed money. And in the NFL, what that means is you can cut him after this year and move on. Is that the plan? Are the Ravens, who really, since they won the Super Bowl, Flacco's been a 500 quarterback, back injuries, he's slowing down, he's, he's really an old 33. Are they looking to maybe move on? A year with Lamar Jackson to come up. I personally feel with Lamar Jackson, all the talent in the world. Boy, is he dynamic. Great college quarterback. Keyword there, college quarterback. I believe he is a, a poor man's Deshaun Watson from last year. And I called Deshaun Watson last year, and correctly so, RG4. Because he, had, boy, he, he, he could move the sticks, but he was injury-prone and thin-framed. Not as thin as Lamar Jackson. He's thinner. And that's why in the NFL, he's going to get squished. Now, Deshaun Watson's injury was a non-contact in practice, but I didn't feel he had the body makeup to have a long-term career. We saw what he did when he got on the field. My goodness. Deshaun Watson with the Texans. They curbed the game plan to him. Dude balled out. Texans were incredible. Got injured, and they went down. Lamar Jackson, I think, is going to be the same way, and he doesn't have the accuracy or the arm power of Deshaun Watson. So, hey, for a 30-second overall pick, you go up, get your guy, someone as a playmaker. He, Lamar Jackson's going to be someone, I think, that comes in, first couple weeks, people, wow, big numbers, impressive, and then either he's going to get squashed by somebody or they're going to figure him out. We've seen this with the mobile quarterbacks, right, who look, and mobile not in the sense that you can have mobile guys like Aaron Rodgers who move around the pocket, Russell Wilson, they get out of dodge and use their legs that way to create place to throw. But when you look to run first, Tim Tebow, Colin Kaepernick, RG3, your body doesn't hold up. It just doesn't. It just doesn't hold up. So we'll see. It's uh, an interesting pick for the Baltimore Ravens as Ozzie Newsom made his last uh, pick. He's the only general manager the Ravens have ever known. So uh, let's get to our show poll here at TSN 4 Downs, at TSN and the number 4 Downs. Which of these draft picks will be the 2018 NFL Rookie of the Year? Which of these? And if you want to tweet in your own, feel free. Sam Darnold, Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, or Calvin Ridley. So quarterback Sam Darnold couple of running backs, Barkley and Geis, or Calvin Ridley. And actually, DJ Moore was taken above Ridley. Ridley, in most cases, was the top-ranked quarterback. I love more speed. Not quite as smooth a catcher. A little bit of a dropsy issues, but he's, he's really dynamic and a taller receiver. More, more, a higher ceiling for DJ Moore. But Calvin Ridley, crisp route runner. He just... Calvin Ridley, I think, in going to the Falcons, nice spot, obviously, you get Matt Ryan there. And maybe he can really benefit piggybacking off of Julio Jones, right? Becoming that number two in there. Because uh, he had a couple receivers leave. And so he might be able to step in but not have the full workload in and, and really be able to benefit. You can Ridley, I feel, is better in the slot. And you can get him out. But he doesn't have the, the pull-away speed. But he catches the ball, runs his routes very well. Studious, high-character guy. So... Who do you think? Darnold, Barkley, Geis, or Ridley? Barkley leading the way at 64% so far. Again, at TSN4Downs on Twitter, at AndyMC81. Sam Darnold in second, then Ridley, then Geis. My pick? I think it's going to be Darius Geis. I think Darius Geis. And 
I was tweeting out during the draft, how is this guy falling? How is Darius Geis continuing to fall in this draft? First-round talent, for sure. If you're just looking talent-wise, he was right underneath Saquon Barkley. Now, Barkley, I think, still from a overall ability standpoint, he he was the, the far and away number one guy. But to go 59th overall to the Redskins, why did it happen? And it came out, Ian Rappaport reported it on NFL Network, apparently coming out. And this is what we don't know leading up to the draft process. This is what's always fascinating afterwards. Right, People making their mocks, myself included, and we think, okay, well, this player will go here or there. But then what comes out afterwards is what happened on the visits, what their personality was like, how were they at the combine in the interviews. And apparently, Darius Geis gave off the air of high maintenance, of a prima donna, of a bad attitude, of a me guy. And you get that, you're going to free fall, and he did. That cost him a lot of money. So you have attitude? You have, you think you're, you're hot stuff? 59th overall instead of a first-round pick? That is a lot of money that Darius Geis cost himself. But I think he went to, I think he went to a, a good situation there with the Redskins. He's going to be able to be, and I think he's going to be able to get the ball club, but he's going to be in somewhat of a, a committee. But he's a north-south runner. This is an angry, aggressive runner. Darius guys pounds the ball inside, and he's going to be even even angrier after dropping that much. Now, long term, I think Saquon Barkley is going to be much better, and he's certainly the more complete back. But I think from just an, an impact standpoint, Darius guys could be a sneaky pick for Rookie of the Year simply because of the situation he's in. Jay Gruden has a nice offensive line set up for him now, and you feed that guy, especially when it comes to touchdowns on the goal line, and moving the chains, I think Darius Geis can be something real special. Uh, and for a second-round value, absolutely. But Saquon Barkley for the Giants. I thought the Giants had a nice draft. I thought they, they what they did in building around Eli Manning, that was going to be the question mark right? for the Giants. Second overall pick, were they going to get their quarterback of the future? Word is that next year the quarterback class is real weak. So this was the year to do it. Or were they going to put pieces around Eli Manning to make one last run at a Super Bowl and they chose to go the last run route because what have the Giants been missing forever a running game right they they need a running game it's just been a hodgepodge of nonsense back there Orleans Darkwall last season come on you're wasting Eli well Dave Gettleman came in new GM and said hey we're gonna help out they got Nate Soldier left tackle uh, from the Patriots in the offseason helped to shore up that line Pop Barkley back there, three down back. Now, I don't think he's as good a runner as Zeke Elliott from the previous couple of years, but he's a better pass catcher, just as good in pass protection, and he's, he's still very dynamic, don't get me wrong. But Saquon Barkley immediately takes pressure off of Eli. Because what did you know about the Giants' offense? It's going to throw. going to throw. That's it. So you can send the house. And that's why they've struggled so much. Even, and, and with Odell Beckham Jr. coming back off of injury, Maybe that, maybe adding somebody the the high character and, and tier of Saquon Barkley is going to settle him down. Thinking, all right, we're we're in to win now. So you got OBJ if his head's on straight and Barkley. Wow! Don't count out the Giants this year. I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but that's going to be a wild card contending team for sure. And we know when the Giants sneak in, when they just get into the playoffs anyway, 
They're always a threat for a Super Bowl run. A lot of show coming up. After the break, we're going to have Mike Shope from Shope and the Bulldog on WGR 550 in Buffalo. Talk about the Bills draft. Very interesting times in Buffalo. We'll talk Bills next. Browns, fantasy football, sleeper picks from the draft, all coming up still here on TSN 4 Downs. With the seventh pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Oh my, the Buffalo Bills making some noise. Trading up to 12 a few weeks back and then jumping up to 7 to go get their quarterback. Is it the right one? Well, time will tell. Welcome back to TSN 4 Downs NFL post-draft special here on TSN 1050. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get us on Twitter at AndyMC81 at TSN 4 Downs. Reminder, folks, we are delivered by Domino's. Go get yourself a medium feast pizza for $10.99 today. Check out all their delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Joining me on the line, co-host of Shopin' the Bulldog on WGR 550 in Buffalo, Mike Shope. Mike, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? You're welcome. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Oh, man. Okay, so... We knew the Bills were going to take a quarterback. We just didn't know the route they were going to go. Were they going to wait for someone to fall at 12? Were they going to trade up? They traded up for Josh Allen. A, 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 you had, there was questions enough based on skill alone. Then the controversial tweets came out. What was your reaction when his name was called for the Bills at 7 overall? Well, one thing I wasn't was surprised. Um, it, was, it was always interesting trying to figure out who they liked, and what they would do, just kind of like it was for Cleveland and the Jets and the other teams that everybody thought would pick one. Um, when the draft arrived, it felt like, in the days leading up to it and then on that Thursday, it felt to me that that Allen was as likely to go to the Bills as he was to any team. Mm-hmm. Then the Mayfield to Cleveland thing started to get real. So I wasn't surprised that they picked him. And I wasn't surprised that they traded up. We had thought that they would the whole time. But I'm not really impressed with it. I mean, they traded more than they probably should have. If you go by the draft value chart, they gave up somewhere around the third or fourth overall pick price for him. And as you probably know, there are lots of questions about him. So um, it wasn't really that surprising. And, um, you know... Everybody here is going to have their fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, well, here's what's interesting to me is Tyrod Taylor got you know dumped on. Over, okay, well, got to the playoffs, but he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. And, and I agree with that. He goes to Cleveland in a trade. You bring in A.J. McCarron, who has more question marks than Tyrod Taylor and is almost kind of a has a rookie feel to it himself, Mike, because he's been in the right. league, but he only has a handful of starts. Like, do you feel there's going to be a straight up quarterback competition? Is this AJ McCarron's job in Buffalo for sure? What how is that going to develop? Well, as far as that goes, Allen is going to play eventually. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of when. And I don't see them as a team that really should be good this year. So we'll see. Like we don't know what everybody talks about him like he needs a lot of work. Um, they could be bad, you know, so you, a team could go either way with that. But it's just a matter of time until he plays. As far as Taylor goes, I mean, he was pretty good. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he ever really got – yeah, I mean, I don't think he really got his, his fair share of credit here. And this part I can understand. So you get an NFL coaching job, or even this could extend to the, to the GM. Both are in their first opportunities as bosses. 
And you're going to want to have the quarterback you want. That's style. That's whatever. Like you want to, they, they knew a year ago they wanted to replace him. So that was a matter of time too. And the fact that they got a good draft pick for him was impressive to me. Um, I'm a Taylor fan. I think he's now he's going to Cleveland and he's, he's, uh, dead on the vine there too, as far as his starting job goes. But, <laughs> you know, he, he's, ha- he's been, he's been a pretty good player and deserves credit. Right. And now, Outside of the quarterback, that had all the buzz, of course. I love the pick of Tremaine Edwards at 16 for Buffalo. Youngest player in the draft, 19. All the raw talent in the world. Like, Mike, this is a guy who I, I think could come in, and he's probably going to make his mistakes. You know, he's 19 playing in a man's league, but I think he's going to be a day-one contributor, and this is somebody who can really shore up that second part of the front seven for a while. What do you think of, of uh, Edmonds? Well, I'm excited about him for the reasons you are. I don't like that they traded up for him. Mm-hmm. That's not a position where the NFL spends money. Right. And so a little bit like the running back discussion about Saquon Barkley is, okay, he's good, but how much should I need to pay for this? Mm-hmm. And so, again, the Bills who've done a lot of this through the years, even with different managers, and as you probably know, too, are not a consistently good team. Like They, they trade up like it's nothing to do it. And so... To that extent, I think this is not ideal. But as far as the kid goes, I mean, for the reasons you said, it's promising. So we'll have to see in conversation with Mike Shope, co-host of Shope and the Bulldog on WGR 550 in Buffalo on Twitter at Shope Talk. Uh, the rest of the draft, you kind of go down, and I'm not going to ask you to break down you know, the fifth-round pick, but uh, overall you had defensive tackle in the third round, cornerback in the fourth, you added an, an, another guy in the secondary in the fifth round, a guard. We knew the Buffalo Bills needed to address that offensive line. Uh, Wyatt Teller, who I like, out of Virginia Tech. And then a receiver, Ray Ray McLeod, in the sixth round. The rest of the draft, and there's a couple others too. Um, what? How? How did you feel? Like a lot of these guys, once you get to the mid late rounds, they're, they're flyers. You hope they're depth guys. But did you feel good about the rest of the draft? Yes and no. I mean, if you're when you get to day three, like you said, it, you're talking about long shots. I think also that the the guard you mentioned, Teller, is somebody who might start for them. Like that's a place where they could be looking at somebody that they drafted even in the third day, on the third day, to, to go in and play with Incognito leaving. But mostly I just felt kind of let down that they didn't have the picks that they walked in the door with. You mm-hmm. know, they, they traded the two seconds to move up for Josh Allen. It's not even necessarily true that they needed – they don't even – we don't even know if they needed to trade up for him. They might have. And then um, the first pick of the third round was traded to get Edmonds. So it would have been nice for a team like this that has a lot of problems to use those picks, but, again, not surprising that they didn't. As far as the wide receiver goes, it's interesting because they are maybe the worst wide receiver unit in the NFL, <laughs> and they waited till almost the very end of the draft to pick one. It's not a guy that like has any real good metrics at all. So this Allen is going to have his own challenges, and one of them is going to be, and this would have been true of anybody, Josh Rosen included any of them, like there's just not a lot of – speed or talent at wide receiver and that can make all the difference for a kid like this sure and i i guess for josh allen at least he comes into this situation used to not having a lot around him because that was the thing in wyoming it was while his completion percentage in part is low because he had no talent around him so he's not going to be unfamiliar (laughs) unfamiliar with that i guess right yeah i mean it just i'm sure you're aware like it it can it can be everything to one of his prospects the stability of the coaching staff the scheme, the 
receivers, the offensive line, all that stuff. Who knows if some of these quarterbacks who are household names as busts in the draft would be that if they had gone to different teams. So with the Bills, I mean, we've had our share of that, and they're always changing coordinators, almost a new offensive coordinator every year. Mm -hmm. And if, if if they can't sit still, for a couple of years, and this quarterback is in trouble. Like they, they really have to help him, like they would anybody, by surrounding him with with good players and a stable situation. And that is no given with this franchise. No. And last one for you here, Mike. Uh, the rest of the AFC East. So you got the Jets taking Darnold in the first round. Nice pickup for the Dolphins. Minka Fitzpatrick. The Patriots, you know, trade down a, a, a whole bunch of times, and they get a guard and uh, and uh, running back Sony Michelle to go in their their committee. How do you think the rest of the AFC East did in comparison to the Bills? I think really the only thing you can do when you're measuring drafts is trade up, trade down, and value. These mm-hmm. guys are not mm-hmm. future tellers, yep. and. There's no knowing which of these players is going to be good. There's injuries. What you want to do to do a good job is do what the Patriots almost always do. No coincidence, which is trade for extra picks and improve your odds. And they seem to know that in a a landscape where, for some reason, other teams don't. Like I I don't know how it's possible that teams like the Bills still exist (laughs) in this day and age of sports, where they just don't understand that trading up is bad math. So the Patriots seem to get that. They made lots of moves down. Baltimore also did that. I mean, as far as the players, Darnold, I always thought of him as somebody that's pretty safe and maybe mm-hmm. not maybe not as likely to be great. But who, what do I know? Like, that's just something that I, you and I and every GM in the league and every Mel Kuyper can't know right. what is going to happen there. Like, one, one of these, like Darnold or Josh Allen, Brady Quinn and Jimmy Clausen were described the way these guys are described. Absolutely. Like, you know, they're they're, yep. they're going to be good. So it's really hard to say what you want to do, trade down, improve your odds, and New England does that better than anybody. Yeah, depends on the situation, absolutely. Well, Mike, really appreciate you taking the time on a Sunday. Good luck this year, and let's do it again soon. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Mike Shope, co-host of Shope and the Bulldog here on WGR 550 out of Buffalo. If you're a Bills fan, they have a great, well, I'm sure you know about them, but they have a great program. Buffalo Bills taking Josh Allen, the big hands guy, huge arm, was dazzling folks at the combine with 80-yard bombs. But I maintain this. How many times in an NFL game do you throw an 80-yard bomb? Once? Twice? Maybe? You win in the National Football League with the intermediate passing game. The 15 to 20 yard pass. You can't win by dinking and dunking before the chains. It's right in that middle section. If you're accurate, if you got the right touch on the ball and that 15 to 20 yard range, that's how you win games. That's how you win championships. The big arm is nice. Great to have, sure. But if you're accurate in that 15 to 20 range, that's where you make your impact. Want to throw out big congratulations too to Nathan Shepard, Canadian. I chatted with him in the preview show. First one on TSN to do it. We got that on TSN 4 Downs on the show page on tsn1050.ca before he went in the draft. Third round, 72nd overall to the New York Jets. Boy, Nathan Shepard, this guy's going to be a special player. Special player, Nathan Shepard. Uh, so big congrats to him. Pride of Ajax, Ontario, going to the Big Apple. We're going to step aside after the break. Nathan Zagura, senior media broadcaster from the Cleveland Browns, fantasy football expert. We're going to get into the Browns. And which of these rookies might be some uh, have some nice fantasy football value for you? A lot more coming up on TSN 4 Downs. 
2018 FIFA World Cup Russia is coming this June to TSN 1050. Official radio broadcaster. Oh my word. Baker Mayfield. Trophy winner out of Oklahoma is the first overall pick in this draft. The draft party in Berea, Ohio. Some are cheering, some have hands in pockets. <laughs> the last quarterback to be less than six foot one to be drafted first overall, Michael Vick. The Mayfield Mafia coming to Cleveland. Welcome back to TSN Four Downs. I'm Andy McNamara. This is the NFL Draft recap show you're listening on tsn 1050 you can get us on itunes if you miss any of the show on the tsn 1050.ca show page as well follow us on twitter at tsn four downs at andy mc 81 joining me now on the domino's delivery line and folks if you're hungry this weekend all you got to do get a medium feast pizza just 10.99 check out all the delivery and carryout deals at dominoes.ca he's the senior media broadcaster for the cleveland browns nfl analyst fantasy football mastermind friend of show nathan zagura nathan how's it going man uh, Andy, it is good to be with you. The draft in the books, and uh, obviously now we can look forward to the Browns hopefully putting some wins on the field after a significant upgrade of their talent this offseason. No doubt. Now, okay, we were looking at Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. That looked to be the top two going in. How surprised were you that the name first called was Baker Mayfield? You know, I started going back and forth on it because you knew in the building you had guys like Scott McLuhan who was on record as being a big Baker Mayfield supporter. And so I knew it was Bayfield or Darnold. That's kind of how I always thought of it in my mind. And as things kind of progressed, and I got to Monday of draft week, I actually put out on, on Twitter that I thought 51% Baker, 49% Darnold. Tuesday we did our mock draft, and I had some people who I really trust come on. We even had Robert Klemko, who had been embedded with Baker Mayfield. He's like, the Browns aren't drafting Baker Mayfield. And I said, oh. So I thought, okay. <laughs> Maybe it sounds a little bit more like Sam Darnold, so I upped it to Darnold on Tuesday. But then Wednesday I woke up and I was like, there's just something. I just feel it's going to be Baker Mayfield. And by Thursday I had planted my flag in the ground, so to speak. So I expected <laughs> it to be Baker Mayfield, and it was Baker Mayfield with the number one overall pick for the Browns. And look, at this is a guy, they love his competitiveness. They love his work ethic, his leadership abilities. They love that he's accurate from the pocket. They love that he has a better arm than I think people realized and they're very, very happy to bring a guy like Baker Mayfield in because it's about a culture change for this organization. And, man, when you're 1-31 in the last two years, you know you need it, and they feel Baker Mayfield is the right guy to lead that charge. And it's interesting because around the league, that wasn't met with much surprise because there were a lot of teams that ultimately ended up having Baker Mayfield as the number one quarterback on their boards. In fact, Tom Bowles saying that Sam Darnold was the number two quarterback on their board, so you can figure out who was number one. Not hard to figure that out since only one other quarterback had gone at that point, and it was Baker Mayfield. So I think the Browns did their work. They did their research. They left no stone unturned, and Baker Mayfield was the guy that everybody in this building was excited to have on this football team. Well, he brings a lot of hype, a lot of energy, a lot of national eyes back to the Browns. And here's here's the thing with me, Nathan, is, all right, at the start of this whole process, it was, well, Baker Mayfield's Johnny Manziel. But the more I dug in, it's like, well, okay, let's really look off the field. Outside of the little 
skirmish with the with the cops. The main difference was a positive one between Baker and Johnny to me because according to Dorsey and Elliot Wolf and all the lieutenants in there, he wowed them on the whiteboard. His football knowledge, his work ethic is the polar opposite of Johnny. So I, I don't know about you. I, I feel Baker Mayfield right now. We can scrap all the Johnny Manziel comparisons, man, because this dude is a football junkie. What do you think? Absolutely. I think you talk about, you know, his acumen on the whiteboard, the leadership that he exudes, you know, going driving D.D. Westbrook, picking him up at 430 in the morning so he wouldn't be late for any meeting since D.D. didn't have a car when they were together at Oklahoma. Yeah, completely different players on the field as well. Baker is a pocket passer. Johnny was a freelancer. Baker understands offenses, offensive concepts. I thought he gave a great answer in his introductory press conference when asked about, you know, what, how hard is it going to be for him to transfer what he did in college to the NFL? They said, well, if you watch, you know, Kansas City, Philadelphia, and L.A., the Rams, they all run things that we ran at Oklahoma. And that's becoming the new wave in the NFL. If you think about the Rams and, of course, the Super Bowl champion Eagles, those are considered two of the most innovative and functional offenses in the NFL last year. So I think he has no problem. You've got Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson there to help craft this offense for him. And I think he, he is. He's just so smart. Ace the whiteboard test. And that wasn't just with the Browns. That was around mm-hmm. the league. People were blown away by what Baker Mayfield brought to the table. And you know, following the Browns, our beat writers are probably as cynical as any in the world. Right. And our beat writers even came out of that introductory press conference going, oh, yeah, this guy's nothing like Johnny. Well, duh. But sometimes <laughs> seeing is believing. And uh, I think that, yeah, we can put all those comparisons to rest. In conversation with Nathan Zagura from the Cleveland Browns on Twitter, at Nathan Zagura, joining me on the Domino's delivery line. Now, the other picks for the Browns, number four, Denzel Ward out of Ohio State. I was a bit surprised. I thought Bradley Chubb was as close to a lock as you could get. Pair him with Miles Garrett. The Broncos took him instead to pair him with Von Miller. But with Denzel Ward, is, was he your top cornerback in the draft, Nathan, going in? And he's a bit undersized, but his speed and, again, work ethic you can't question. Oh, yeah. He was absolutely the top corner, I think, on everybody's board. Can play that sticky man-to-man coverage. Mirrors as well as anybody who's come out in years. And once he kind of learns to track the ball a little bit better, he's going to be, I think, an absolutely dynamic player. And Look, it was a little bit of a surprise. I thought Bradley Chubb would be the guy uh, as well. But when we were talking on Browns Daily about it, we said the only other player we could possibly envision them taking at four was not Saquon Barkley. It was Denzel Ward because they needed that true number one corner, and now they've got him. You look at the fact that the Browns gave up a quarterback rating of over 102 last year, worst in the NFL. It's no wonder they spent a lot of effort and time reconfiguring and overhauling that secondary, and they wanted that number one corner. I can tell you, they love they love Emmanuel Agba. So you've got Garrett and Agba already. Right. You've got Chris Smith, who they signed in free agency from uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, and now they drafted Chad Thomas uh, early in the third round, the third pick of the third round out of Miami. So they like that defensive end room. Carl Nassib and Nate Orchard are going to have to scratch and claw and compete to try to find a way to make this roster. But I think when they looked at it, the thing that they needed more than anything was a number one corner. But that's not why they picked him. They picked him because Denzel Ward was the top non-quarterback on their draft board, and he was the pick for the Browns at number four. Now, Nathan, when we've spoken previously on TSN Four Downs, we know you're a fantasy football expert, and you've defeated a pro wrestler from WWE, The Miz, uh, on multiple uh, occasions. Like it's my job, I <laughs> So I figured, hey, you know what? Coming out of this, we know there's going to be some dynamic fantasy football players 
it, it, coming up into this season. We, uh, first round, later rounds, whatever. Does Saquon Barkley lead the way? What about Darius Geis as a, as a free faller there? Who jumps out to you from this rookie class is going to be able to be, hey, this is going to be a stud fantasy football contributor? Oh, well, obviously, yeah, you got to start with Saquon Barkley. Yeah, They're yeah. going to try to build their offense around him with the Giants. But I think you brought up a very, very good one in Darius Geis as well. I think Geis was a guy that I know the Redskins had a top 10 grade on. They were thrilled to get him in the second round. He will be a centerpiece of their offense. I think you also take a look at Sony Michelle and Rashad Penny, who two other first-round running backs. Michelle going to the Patriots. And I'll tell you what, I love that kid. And I think that Rashad Penny is going to get every opportunity to be a bell cow for the Seattle Seahawks. They want to get back to running the mm-hmm. football, and Penny's going to be the guy. So, yeah, you got a nice influx there. I think if you're thinking in a keeper league down the road, Nick Chubb, drafted by the Browns, is going to be a good one. They love him. Alonzo uh, Heisman has compared him to Jamal Lewis. And you look at mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde's deal, the guaranteed money is there for this year, but not beyond this year. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's kind of a committee this year. It's a little bit of a mess for the Browns, but that next year Nick Chubb has an opportunity to really tote the rock for the Cleveland Browns. And Nathan, it can also be, though, okay, you got Hyde there as the, the season pound at forward vet, and Chubb is similar in style, but he can he can be a little uh, fancy with the feet, too. He can slide outside a little bit and, and not as much of a pass catcher as, let's say, a Duke Johnson. But in that trio, you're going to keep people fresh, and I think that the different looks could be really dynamic, especially if Todd Haley does commit to the run, which the Browns failed to do the last couple of years. Well, it's hard to commit to the run when you're not competitive. And yeah, so I think yeah. they're going to be competitive. And, yeah, they can run ball. I mean, let's just look at the skill positions for the Browns last year. At running back, you had Isaiah Crowell, who I liked, and Duke mm-hmm. Johnson and Matthew Dace. Now you've got Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson. Massive upgrade. Your quarterbacks a year ago were Deshaun Kaiser, who I still think is going to have a nice career when he gets an opportunity in Green Bay. Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan. Now Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield, Drew Stanton. I mean, massive upgrade. Sure. Your receivers last year for the majority of the season were Kenny Britt, Ricardo Lewis, Rashard Higgins, and then a, a, a swirling group of guys that were claimed off of other people's practice squads like Bryce Treggs and Cason Williams and Sammy Coates. But you also had, as well, Corey Coleman for a part of the season and Gordon Berry at the very end. Now, all of a sudden, you've got Josh Gordon, you've got Jarvis Landry, you've got Corey Coleman as your third guy, not your clear number one. And then you draft who many people thought was the best wide receiver in the draft. And does he have baggage? Sure. But Antonio Callaway is a flat-out baller. And if he can put that behind him like he says he has following the birth of his daughter and after being taken under the wing of Antonio Brown, Corey Coleman's going to have a tough time maybe even staying on the field because Callaway is as dynamic as they come out of Florida. Boy, Nathan, really appreciate you taking the time. Have a great offseason. I look forward to the 2018 Browns campaign. Thanks so much. Me too. Let's win some games. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. Nathan Zagura, host of Browns, Cleveland Browns Daily, Monday to Friday on clevelandbrowns.com and senior Browns media uh, broadcaster, fantasy football expert, a must-follow on Twitter, at Nathan Zagura. I'm going to step aside. We're going to come back, wrap up the show with Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network, analytics expert. She's going to tell us who are some sleeper value picks coming out of this draft. Going to be fascinating stuff to finish off TSN. Four downs. to come out of this year's draft. What should the Giants expect from you? Uh, the Giants should expect a guy who's passionate about the game, uh, who really loves football and a true competitor. And, uh, hopefully I can come in there early, be a leader, and try to play as early as possible and do the best I can. You believe in Eli? Uh, yes, sir. I believe in Eli. You believe in Odell? I, I 
believe in OBJ. And I'm sure they believe in you. Congratulations. Deion Sanders and Saquon Barkley on day one of the NFL draft this past Thursday. Second overall pick. Back to wrap up the post-draft edition here on TSN 4 Downs. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow us on Twitter at TSN 4 Downs. TSN the number 4 Downs at AndyMC81. Post the links there. Also on the TSN1050.ca show page. And folks, if you need a new roof, listen. Go with the city's most trusted roofer. Gitano Roofing voted the number one roofing company in Toronto on Homestars. Folks, this is your house we're talking about, okay? Your home. Don't leave anything to chance. Call Gitano Roofing for a free, no-pressure estimate. Visit GitanoRoofing.com. That's G-I-T-A-N-O Roofing.com. All right, let's head to the Dominoes.ca delivery line. It is NFL Network analytics expert, co-host of Game Theory and Money, friend of show, Cynthia Freeland. Cynthia, how's it going? Really well, thank you. How are you doing? I am doing well. I feel—I don't know about you. I feel like exhausted and drained in a good way. It's like all this work went into preparing for the draft. Now it's done. You kind of exhale and think, "Oh, there's a long time till actual football, right?" Like, <laughs> and then and the, well, the funny part is, is then like in a minute you're like, "Remember when we had all that time until football started?" Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're like, "Oh my god, now it's here already." <laughs> exactly, and Cynthia. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on was. You break. You do such a great job of, of using analytics, algorithms, things I, I don't understand. But to break to break down during the season, game matchups, but also draft picks and value picks. And we really know the great teams. Hey, if you can find a guy later on after round one, that's how you win championships. So I want to get to a couple of the ones that uh, you tweeted out your analysis on from at C Freeland on Twitter. Let's go with uh, begin with Nick Chubb. Second round value complementing that Browns backfield. Why do you like Nick Chubb? And uh, you also wrote Austin Corbett at tackle. Yeah. So, well, when it comes to to Nick Chubb, it's all about like like look, we have this like love affair with running backs who can you know pa- catch passes, mm-hmm. and you see, and and Nick Chubb is a little bit more of kind of a traditional running back. So you know, you saw Saquon Barkley in the taken you know second overall, and then you see with him like, well, what you see is that you know he catches a bunch of passes. In fact, I would imagine he's probably more useful in that passing game than you know than he, he probably is in the in traditional running game, only because there's such a unique value there. But Chubb is a guy who he came out of Georgia. He has some injury concerns, so I think if he hadn't been injured, it's like a foot injury that kept him out of games, and I think that's why he slid um, into out of the first round because he, he did have some great production. So, for example, he has no fumbles, which is something kind of wow. crazy like to see. Yeah, and he forced over 50 missed tackles. That's on about 225 uh, rushing attempts. That's ridiculous. Jeez. Just, like, just, just to like put that into context, that's like – you, you would imagine for that level in an average quarterback, so I kind of model everything backwards from who they became in the NFL. So you would imagine that number 50 missed tackles and no fumbles on 225 carries. That's like, usually you would see something like, you know, 20 missed tackles forced and like two fumbles in that, in that kind of volume. And then he also had 18 rushes of 15 or more yards. So really what you look for is yards after contact to be a good predictor of NFL success. And it's pretty clear why, you know, now you can see why he almost averaged four yards after contact on his six 
yard per carry average. So if you think of three as the benchmark, he has a whole extra yard beyond that. And that's in Georgia, too. It's not like he's playing, you know, like the level of competition right. that he played against was, was hard enough for it to be like legit, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you look at which, which conference, right? If he's doing it in D3, different story. Yeah. But that, that's, a, that's right. a great point, Cynthia, because a lot of the running backs in this draft class, what I found looking at them and researching them was, okay, they had either ball security issues or durability issues. And for coming yep. back from that first injury in, I believe, 2015, he's been steadfast. Like, you have Nick Chubb checking all the boxes. What do you want out of your running back? You don't want him to drop the ball, right? Right. Like that's, that's kind right. of important. It's always funny to me. Like, you know, you saw after, I don't know if you got, you heard it a time, but I heard a time, this analytics debate around when you should take running backs mm-hmm. and, like, the theory behind it. And in my opinion, the way that you should think about it is what do you, what best serves your team and then draft the person where it best serves your team. So I actually don't hate the Saquon Barkley overall at two because Saquon Barkley, he's kind of like a miniature wide receiver. He li- he's right. lined up out wide. He's lined up in the slot. So you're not really getting the same type of thing. When it comes to a, like a Nick Chubb, like it, I think if he hadn't had that injury at Georgia, you would have seen him in like 22. Yes. 19, you know, like that kind of area. Yeah, completely agree. In conversation with Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network on Twitter, at C Freeland. She joins me on the dominoes.ca delivery line. Now, you also mentioned Mason Rudolph went in the third round of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, Cynthia, this could be a real value for the Steelers because some people had him going in the first round as high as that. His big body, 6'5", kind of in that, you know, that, that, that spread offense that people say, okay, well, how does it convert to the NFL? But you got a big-bodied dude in Mason Rudolph who can sit behind Ben Roethlisberger, learn, and if all things go right, you can put one behemoth mobile guy in with another once Big Ben's days are wrapped up. What do you think of Mason Rudolph? I actually love Mason Rudolph, and I love where he landed. I love. I think the best thing you can do with a backup quarterback is to profile your starter. Mm-hmm. So find the find the attributes where the playbook will start to make sense. If you're totally changing the type of plays you're running for a backup, who, by the way, gets very limited snaps in practice, and then you're asking them to like be more than they are or different than they are, that's not a recipe for success. If you take the things that Mason Rudolph does well, and you actually, he had a lot of data because he started for three years, he yeah. started 13 games, and he played in his freshman year as well. So if you if you look to see, you can see his trajectory, how he's grown. He actually, like if you're looking at first the things that project to success, so, you know, when you look at college aid, especially he did play in a spread offense. But if you isolate the plays where he threw outside the numbers, which is the more, a more difficult pass and it's a more NFL-like pass, a lot of guys don't have a ton of those. Well, Mason Rudolph had plenty, hmm. and he actually improved in it every year that he was there. He also threw twenty, uh, threw seventeen touchdowns over twenty yards, and that was the most in the draft class. So deep passing—that's something that projects well to the NFL. Hmm. And he literally improved in his improved in his yards per attempt every single year he was there. Part of it was the deep passing. Part of it was an improvement outside the numbers. And lastly, part of it was an improvement inside the numbers. So those are easier passes, but basically he got better on them, if that makes sense. Yeah. He also averaged, and this is ridiculous, he averaged more than 25 air yards per target on go routes. That's stupid. Like like 20 would be, like, incredible. He averaged over 25. He was great under pressure. Actually, second-best passer rating on third down. Um, which third down's huge to me, red area's huge to me, and then under pressure, he was actually second only to Baker Mayfield in um, passer rating under pressure. So honestly, I love him. And here's my like little note. 
He kind of looks like Sidney Crosby to me. <laughs> he does. You're right. I'm just looking at the video now that you posted. He does he have looks, a bit of Sid oh, the wow, Kid. Like, like, he has, like, a very Sidney Crosby, like, look to him, which I just think it's funny more than anything else. Yeah. But, like, you know, obviously people in Pittsburgh might feel a certain way about that. But um, hey, hey, that might be okay. I <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, like, for my money, I feel like he's, in terms of the quarterback, I had him ranked ahead of a quarterback who was taken much, much, much higher than him. So for me, he actually had a better, like a better success metric depending on fit. Like once I put him, once I put everyone into the teams that they're on, he jumped ahead of Josh Allen in terms of fit for me. Interesting. So, and obviously Josh Allen will probably have to start before Mason Rudolph ever would, but it's to me, it's it's a lot about profiling your starter mm-hmm. against your against the backup and the guy you're cultivating, and that is what makes him to me a potential huge upside pick here. And Cynthia, I love that you brought that up because I started the show with that talking about Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, which you couldn't be more opposite than that point. You have the statue Joe <laughs> Flacco and Lamar Jackson, who his main his, his legs are his main weapon. So I I I love that because if Joe Flacco goes down. You have a totally different playbook, and if you have to do that midseason, you could be screwed. Yep. Yeah. So Joe Flacco, the interesting thing, so Joe Flacco is one of the tallest quarterbacks that we've mm-hmm. seen. He's also, like, definitely not someone who's known for his mobility. They don't ask him to do no. that. They're very, you're right. They're incredibly different. In fact, Ryan Mallett, who was the, the backup behind him, he kind of has a similar profile. Ryan Mallett's super tall. Ryan Mallett's right. not very mobile. He, you know, like, I actually – looked to that before as something good. So to me, the question mark here is, you know, look, we, we talk about Marty Morningweg could figure this out. Like that's their OC. Like that's a good person. That's a, that's a great person for them to figure out. Like this is not um, like, you know, when you have a defensive head coach like Jim Harbaugh and then you have an OC that's like more of a play caller and less of a developer. Right. Well, Marty Morningweg is known, is known as a, a, a player developer as well, instead of just play caller. So that's like a, a good that's a good indication for him. So that kind of does help that. The difference, the difference will be like what they're going to ask him to do. Like how, how long is the Flacco horizon, right? Like mm-hmm. if, is it three years? Because three years would be different than like one or like sure. five games. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like that, that could be the bigger, the bigger difference here. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, they, they have a nice O-line to stand by. And when Marshall Yanda, their guard is back, he's like one of the best right guards in the entire league. So, they do have a great line to stand behind. And I do think of the places for Lamar Jackson to land, this is a better one because he doesn't have, I mean, you could put him behind like a Russell Wilson or a Dak Prescott or something like that and stand behind that, especially that Cowboys O-line and maybe it'd be a better projection right away. But I would argue that if you're going to find a mismatch and you're going to try to take a shot for your future, morning wigs, the guy to do it with. So that's the only kind of secret weapon on that one. On that one. Cynthia, this analysis, phenomenal. Thank you so much. We're going to tweet this out, and uh, we'll tag you at C. Freeland. If you missed any of it, you got to hear this analysis. Uh, Cynthia, thank you so much. Have a great offseason, and let's talk to you in September. Thank you. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Yeah, that is Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network, breaking it down, bringing the heat to polish off TSN four down so that'll do it folks we'll be back in the nfl preseason to get ready if you miss any of the show the nfl draft check it out on twitter we'll tweet it out at tsn four downs at andy mc81 on the tsn 1050.ca show page as well uh, on itunes and all that thank you so much to our guests cynthia freeland nathan zagura mike shope and to all of you 
for listening. For producer Chris DeVario, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN 4 Downs.